Hello all and welcome to Accidental Careers, the podcast where we talk to people about their jobs. Was the path there windy? Were they jobs they even knew existed? Let's find out. On today's episode, we're going to talk to the lovely Anna Crockett, MD of the newly founded Public Sector Media. Let's see how she got into that. Good morning, Anna, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks, Lindsay. How are you? Good. Long time no see. We've known each other for a long time. We've not met for a few years. Many, many years. Well, I haven't seen you for... It was last year, wasn't it? I saw you, but before um, that, it was ages. Southport Flower Show. It's coming up again. I know. (laughs) We like a ladies' lunch. We like a ladies' lunch. I just want to talk to you about your career, yeah. the accidental career that you're now in, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. um, but I want to take you back, back, back. I'm going to say way back, but that's making you sound old, sorry. Wow. Um, back to <laughs> when you were at school. Because we were at school probably around the same time. And yeah. Your kind of story sounds very similar to mine. What did you want to be when you were at school? Do you know, it's funny because when you mentioned you were going to ask this question, I was thinking, I thought about it over last week and I was thinking... I don't know. I actually rang my dad yesterday and said, what did I want to be? And I was literally said, I don't know. <laughs> dad didn't remember that. I think I just, I, 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 I was motivated by money and earning money. So, you know, I was working in a shoe shop every Saturday when I was 14. I'd paid rent before that. And then, and then worked at the outdoor baths, which definitely ages me. Um, God, South wow, outdoor baths. Yeah, I worked in the turnstile there a few summers. Come on, honestly, wow. Uh, yeah, that. so that's, I was very, very, very young then, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, really? fine. And, um, <laughs> but then, then I did loads of other jobs, mainly because I was, I was motivated by money predominantly, which sounds really, really shallow. But, you know. No, listen, it's, it's the truth, isn't it? You've got to have some motivation yeah. into something to make you carry on and do it. But I think your story kind of, the similarities are that, quite frankly, there wasn't much guidance, would you no. say? No, and it, exactly. And it's, you know, I had a conversation with a friend a few days ago, and I was lucky enough to. I was, my mum and dad sent me to a private school, and it was back in the time when, um, you know, class sizes were through the roof. And yeah. I get it why they did it, but. I can't genuinely say I don't think it really benefited me because I don't think I was desperately keen to learn. I was too keen <laughs> to have a really good time. <laughs> and there's the honesty. Yeah, there's the honesty, yeah. <laughs> it came to me later in life that, that, you know, the reality, you need to buckle down and to actually deliver. Get a job. But, but I do remember at school, you know, I can't recall anything specific. And then if I compare it to my kind of journey with my son, who's 20 now, his was much more structured in terms yeah. of the guidance and looking at skill gaps and this is what you should consider. So I think with that, it gives them a sense of purpose almost and, and a, a sense of, you know, what the journey is ahead of them and guides their decision-making. Whereas I don't... I remember. I seem to remember some kind of computer where they fed in what your interests <laughs> were and it spewed out some kind of answers. You should be. be. Yeah. And it obviously left a huge impact because I've got no idea what it <laughs> was. Honestly, when you say that, it kind of brings back a vague memory to me. Yeah. Uh, about comparing notes with, uh, you know, classmates about what... So it, so it must have been the same sort of careers advice that did the rounds back in the day. But part of the reason for me wanting to do this podcast, I think mm. I mentioned, is because watching my own kids, just like yeah. you were with, with, with... You've been with Ollie, watching my own kids really just, you know, 
struggling to find now at 16 or 17 what they want to be. Who knows, you know? Yeah, and, and, just I, guess, and I think they're too young. I think this pressure of, you know, um, I, I've kind of fallen into certain situations in my, in my career. And, you know, and I think your 16-year-old person is very different to your 30-year-old person, your 40-year-old person, yeah. or whatever. And I, I do think there is a lot of pressure. But equally, I think I was probably given too much autonomy. And, you know, my mum and dad just <laughs> let me make far too many choices on my own. Yeah. But, you know, but that was just the kind of the way it was because I think you know for, certainly for my family we were the first generation who could or did go to uni mm. my mum and wow. dad didn't go you yeah, know no, so yeah. um, it's I suppose it was in its in, infancy that you know going to uni and doing this but yeah it, it just wasn't for me at that time do you think that's part of the reason that we probably our generation so you and I have taken a little bit of that path because our mum and dads didn't know whereas we've known throughout the years yes. all the choices so yeah. you mentioned the words university to my mum and dads back in the day and I think they just seen pound signs glazed over and you know turned around and walked away it's not for us it's yeah. not for me and and you know if you look at university applications now they just continue to rise and rise and rise and that's even with you know £9,000 a year tuition fees and student loans not grants you know yeah. it, so it, it's obviously clearly a path that a lot of young people are, you know, are either pushed down or choose to take of their own volition, but it just was not like that when I was that no, age. Absolutely not, no. So you got a fit when you, your money motivation took you on to the first, what was your first proper job, shall we say? <laughs> you had lots of those little bits yeah. and bobs that you just talked about, but uh, what was the first proper job? Well, I um, <laughs> foolishly dropped out my A-levels half one year in because I wanted money. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I worked for the NatWest Bank for about, what, about two or three years. And okay. that certainly gave me a definitive, I know what I don't want to do. Absolutely, <laughs> you didn't want to be a yeah, banker. I so didn't want that. No. It, was, it was just, it was very boring and it just, you know, and I think it was viewed then almost as a job for life yeah, absolutely. in some respects, but it just, it it wasn't for me. I mean, I was, I was made redundant when I was 21 and thankfully, because <laughs> it forced <laughs> me into doing other things, which is, you know, it can maybe give me the kick up the bomb that I needed to do that. And then you fell into the typical, everyone falls into sales jobs. Uh, yeah, those who can't <laughs> sell. <laughs> so, no, I sold, yeah, I, I think I sold everything onto the sun. Did I start, you? Yeah, I started Did you just, start selling? The first sales job, which talk about, you know, being just being thrown right in the deep end was selling photocopiers. Oh, it was brutal. And you know, when you, and this is something that I've kind of held firm with, I've, I've gone through sales and, and, working with clients, you know, across my career is, I felt really uncomfortable with what I was selling. I felt really uncomfortable with the fact that, you know, with putting people into long-term leases that you know might potentially have a detrimental effect on the business. It was just the way it was. It was, it was you know, the double-glazing sales of its time. Yeah. And I, yeah, I lasted two, two, three months there. It wasn't my finest hour, but I was glad to leave because it certainly taught me what I didn't want to do. Yeah, it's a tough, oh, tough yeah. job. I mean, I, I remember going for <laughs> going for one of my early sales jobs and thinking, this sounds, on paper, mm. fantastic. See the money, see and, the pounds. Yeah, and then when I got there, they gave me a uh, Kirby cleaner. <laughs> that's it. And that's, I thought, that's up there with photocopiers. And I thought, well... <laughs> Really? They're and really I took it home. Apparently, <laughs> listen, I cleaned my mum's bed. It was amazing. Yeah. But then I took it back and I, and I remember the um, the comments, you know, when you just, things just stick in yeah. your head. And they said, um, she said, I said, uh, I dropped the Hoover off and she said, 
what you do and I said it's not for me thanks all the same you know, clean my mum's bed and carpet but <laughs> yeah I've done the job needed to I said it's not for me and she said could you drive the first time you get in, you got into a car and I said <laughs> and I said well oh. no but the difference was I really wanted to be able to drive so <laughs> yeah. I'll see you later yeah and I walked away from that as you can imagine that's, that's a genius line isn't honestly it? could, you, could you drive the first no. time you got into a car yeah but I'd learned because I wanted to <laughs> But then when you got, we, we met when you kind of started your, well, partway through your career yeah. in the in media. Yeah. yeah? So yeah. talk us through the path so, you took there. So yeah, after the photocopiers came a, a short <laughs> spell of a year selling pop for Britlick, okay. which my, my patch was Yorkshire and I just, it was telesales and I'd just ring up and my, I always remember they'd always go, hey, pop ladies on phone. <laughs> I'd have to try and sell them up on a, on a crate of Pepsi Max or something and feel my soul quietly dying in the background. Oh, no. But um, So, yeah, from that, I um, I went to work in a local newspaper, so I kind of got the first kind of taste, if you like, of media. did that for a couple of years. Heard an ad on the radio saying they were looking for someone for sponsorship and promotions. It was Rock FM in Lancashire. And yeah. um, I thought, hey, so I don't have to sell anymore. I'm just going there and, you know, lord it up. And <laughs> I think transpired, I was selling. I was selling oh, sponsorship and promotion. Really hard. Very yeah. much so. But um, it was a great job. I worked there for a couple of years. I absolutely loved it. It was when the yeah. church was still there in Preston. Wow. It was all run out of there. It, just had, it was a really lovely time. They were the good times of radio, yeah. though. Yeah. And I was young, you know, God, that sounds like really wistful, doesn't it? That, but, but you know, I was young and it was the right time to enjoy it. And I did that for a couple of years and then um, wound up being in London, working still in radio, working for a, a large group of radio stations, working with the big ad agencies in London. And that was a great few years. Yeah, um, you know, I met my um, now ex husband, but it's my, my Ollie's dad there. And we just had a great time. But it's one of those things where it's limited London because you've got to have very deep pockets in order yeah. to stay there. So I think it was about 2000 I managed to persuade my soon-to-be husband then to move back to the northwest for me. And I worked, moved back into radio, worked for... Uh, Century, as was. Yeah, Then Capital Radio Sales, then Galaxy, which was the kind of dance and R&B station in Manchester. Loved it. And then that's when I came to work at Natmax with you, which I thought was quite a while ago. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Seems like yesterday. Yeah, it was only yesterday. But that was... I had a great time working at Natmax, you know? I think in in magazines has always been my passion. It is. It's totally your passion, isn't it? 100%, yeah. yeah. You've had a long-lived radio uh, kind of career and mine's always been magazines and that's when I found love like and yeah. passion for something and every time I talk about my uh, career from where I've been to what I've done today and Cosmo bit pops up everybody wants to know about oh, it, yeah, you yeah. know like you know and it was it was a great couple of years there um, yeah, we had fun. It was really good fun, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, and it was when it was when we were still be able to enjoy ourselves. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, allowed to take things, people out for lunch. Yeah, things. <laughs> you take people out for lunch. God, when I was, um, we used to do that a lot. It was one of those media industries in the. Particularly in magazines. the truest, yeah, yeah it was. It was. It was so good, honestly. Oh, I'm reminiscent. Don't, don't uh, um, and it was fabulous, and that's where I found my passion. But you stayed with us only a short period of time, and then moved on again. I did, yeah. So I was, I was living in um, Hale in um, Cheshire then, mm-hmm. and I moved back to Southport because my son was three, three, and I just wanted to be nearer to my family. So I moved back there, and I had a very short time managing a small local radio station, which wasn't great. But then I. Um, through an old radio contact, and again, it's funny, isn't it, how you meet people and you kind of come in and out of each other's professional and personal lives over the years. Yeah. And someone I used to work with 
at Century um, put a word in for me at uh, what was CBS Outdoor. So it was out of home, so it was buses, rail, um, all that kind of thing. And I did that for about three years. And I found myself naturally honing in on working with public sector because I just really enjoyed it. What I enjoyed most was understanding what they're doing and why they're doing it. And I think very often in media, lots of media people go, oh, don't understand public sector, it's a different language. And I really mm. wanted to learn that language and understand it um, to the point where I kind of, oh, this would be, oh God, I went, so I, uni wasn't for me the first time, but I went to uni in 2010. I had no A-level, so I had to persuade the, the course lead. I just said, I haven't got time to see the A-levels. So, so, she let, so she let me write a 5,000 word essay on um, social and health inequalities to get in, which I did. remember this because yeah. I, you helped me out at that time. You got me back in That's to right. media because yeah. I'd gone off and done a bit with Getty, etc., whatever. And um, I'd been made redundant and you yeah. got a word in for me. So I, we worked together again at CBS, which I didn't enjoy any moment of. <laughs> thanks anyway. Um, yeah, no worries. <laughs> But like, listen, I'll always be grateful, but I didn't enjoy it. But I do remember watching you at that time and thinking, God, she, I see the passion in what you were doing then. And for you to go to uni, at the, you know, I say that late in life. I mean, you can do whatever these days, whenever. But it was um, perceived as being late. And yeah. I remember you doing that, you come in with that topic and thinking, oh. Ooh, you know, it went over my head, but yeah. you, did, you did, you worked hard, you worked while you were doing it. it I you? absolutely loved uni yeah. at that stage in my life, and I was around more for my son, and I did all, just, you know, social policy, stuff I'd never even thought yeah. or knew anything about, and, you know, social um, inequality, health inequality, child protection, all sorts of things, you know, public health, um, profiling communities, all, and so it really made me understand. Like we did a module in partnership working, and I thought about all the campaigns I've run, where we had all these different partners sat in a room trying to agree on the, the creative for the ad. Not that I really did, <laughs> but it gave me a really good understanding of it. So, you know, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with it, but I knew it would be really useful for media. But then when I left there, I actually went into, worked in social work, not, mm. not as a social worker, as a community assessor, so it's the kind of lower end of it, which, again, in its context, I mean, you know, the money was rubbish, but I really enjoyed it. And there's something to be said for helping, really helping people. Um, Big 360 turnaround, though, isn't it, from starting out with the money and then finding that exactly. accidental kind of uh, passion. And, and that, that's it, and it's just, and that just, I kind of evolved from there, and then, thought, I know what I don't want to do. What I don't want to do is I don't want to work in media and sell to everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work with um, a lot of um, commercial clients and things like that. I love public sector, I understand it. And I I want to be viewed as a partner, not a media rep and a supplier. So that's what I kind of went back to doing is from there on in, in whichever role I've been in, I've really just worked with public sector. And I think they really appreciate it because the... You've got someone who actually understands what they're doing and why they're doing it. So that coupled with the media knowledge, you just it just works better for Brilliant you. Know, recipe, better for, yeah, yeah. And then you've done a bit with uh, agencies, so on the other yeah. side of the fence. So that that really and again, helped that was plan. Really, yeah, because I've done radio, I've done magazines, I've done out of home, but that's just you know, the tip of the iceberg, really. Yeah. So I've worked in a couple of um, full service agencies in Manchester. I um, headed up the sales. Um, team in and set up a sales organisation in terms of media um, buying uh, an agency in Liverpool um, all of it public sector through and through which 
I love. That's it. I can't see myself working with anyone else. What I did notice, though, what really has stuck with me is since I've worked for myself or with a lot more autonomy in my role, I enjoy it much more. And I think very often when you're working for a large monster of a company, the box ticking that goes along with a minimum of X amount of meetings, and you could think, do you know what? My time would be better spent studying this policy, studying this white paper, understanding how it's going to impact local communities, how we need to talk to those local communities about it, how we change behaviour, not uh, tick a box and do 10 meetings a week. It's not the way forward, is it? You know, and it's, uh, I guess you learn from all of those experiences and, and, I'm going to say it out loud. CBS one <laughs> of the it. worst. <laughs> CBS one of the worst. You know, um, working at NatMags, working at Archant, now News Quest for me. You know, we don't have that. Of course, we have uh, KPIs, but you know, uh, we, we don't. It's just not that level no. of ridiculous. Just to pick a number out the air and do it. You know, especially now I'm, I'm kind of managing teams and. I'd like to think that they know the best way to manage their time. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, I'm a firm believer in that. I think, you know, if, you're, if somebody has got a target they've got to achieve, I, if they, that's what the, the, they're judged on, you know, and the, the, the performance is based upon, let them do it the way they know how to do it best. Because if they don't, you'll soon find out. Yeah. Because it'll, it'll, it'll all long. start to come apart yeah. mm-hmm. and you'll know. And that's why I think you've got to inherently trust people particularly when you're more mature, just get on with it. Adults treat you like an adult, know, exactly. you know, isn't it? It's the same thing. But now, exciting times. Indeed. Exciting Ooh, times exciting. now. Talk to us about what you're doing now, because I think this is definitely your thing. You've arrived. Yeah, I have arrived. <laughs> Tell so. us all about it. Um, well, we, this has been a couple of months in the making, and um, I'm in partnership with Rachel Parry-Jones, who um, owns the very successful Emporia Marketing ad agency so she works with some really big brands and I was doing some work with her and we both kind of thought hang on a minute you know I'm you know if I, if I was Blackpool Rock and you cut me in the middle it would say public sector down the middle Absolutely. so that just you know the, the branding and all that didn't quite fit with the sort of clients I deal with like I work with a lot of police forces um, councils NHS on all sorts of subject matters so we just said hang on a minute we need a public sector specific offering and lo and behold we thought we'll do we'll call ourselves exactly what it says on the tin which is public sector media um and i think really i mean we've only been we only launched really a couple of weeks ago but we've already we're already working with a few a few partners people i've worked with previously yeah who've obviously wanted to continue working with me which is nice yeah um and and new clients you know we're working with a couple of new police forces southport flower show southport yes, flower show we've done, done all of the, it always the, gets in there doesn't it yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my first year working with them actually and they're they're, they're, Alan's they're doing a, a great dream. job over there. What a difference Alan, he's making. Yeah, they're a dream really to work with. They're great. Yeah. But um, yeah, the signs are really, really good because people have, have nothing but positive feedback. People have said it's a no-brainer. And I think when very often a lot of public sector get called up by a million reps going, hi, uh, do you want to buy this, and, uh, this online publication? It's 500 quid now. You had to on the same call. Mm. And that's not how I work. We no. collaborate. We, you know... Well, we're with people from the start to the finish of a journey rather than just saying, 
5.30 Backs of Bosses, do a radio campaign. And because we're, we're one stop for every single media possible, media format, which we're impartial. Mm-hmm. So they know they're going to get the best advice at the right rates, because we like great rates, but also the right mix of media formats as well. So we'll be honest with people. You know, I did, I've just booked a van theft campaign for West, Mer- West Midlands Police. There's only a little com- budget for it. Equally, yeah. they'll do campaigns with massive budgets, yeah. but we can, we can bring the best answers to any budget. Really, but I'm loving it, loving it, loving it. So, public sector media—that's the name. It is. It okay. is public sector media. Um, and Where can we find you if we want to get in touch? Well, the website is currently under construction, but we have a beautiful-looking holding page, which is <laughs> okay. publicsectormedia.co.uk. Okay. Um, and obviously, shamelessly self-promoting myself, my email is Anna at imaginatively publicsectormedia.co.uk. Fantastic. <laughs> and also, you're quite active on LinkedIn, so people yeah, can find yeah. you, Anna. Crockett on LinkedIn. That is me. Okay. Yeah. Fabulous. And um, oh, t- tell us kind of what's next. Obviously, you're going to be working with a few more clients. You're yeah. looking to grow the agency. And what, what I'm keen to do is to have a different approach to a lot of other agencies. So, for example, you know, some, somebody got there first, put it this way, but I'd read in The Guardian this weekend about how, um, you know, this mental health crisis right across the UK and there's different ways of perceiving this but I've read um, an article about how the Met Police are not going to be coming out to mental health crises because they feel that there's other practitioners who should be, you know, it's not their priority. Now, there's lots of different views about that so I'm quite keen to really try and keep abreast of those sorts of things and and create some kind of dialogue on LinkedIn about it. Um, You know, share information along those kinds rather than it just being about booking back your media through here. It's a, we're about more than that. Do a lot of insight, research, community profiling. It's big now, isn't it, yeah. actually? That's what they want. They want a little bit of extra. They'll give it over to you. You'll bring it yeah. all back nicely wrapped and up. And that's it. We'll do it for A to Z. You don't need to speak to anyone else. We'll do the insight, research, creative, everything. All of it, you know, we can, we can do in-house. So it's easier for people. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, listen, I can tell by your face and the way that you're feeling that you're really enjoying what you're doing. So that's fabulous. I will pop the uh, web address again into the show notes from the, from this uh, episode, which will go out. We'll share it and then we can tell the world about it. Sounds amazing. Lovely to see you, Liz. Lovely to see you. Thanks again. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Anna, for being on the podcast. And if you've got any needs for media in the public sector, then get in touch with Anna. She will be very happy to help. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a five-star review where you're listening to your podcasts. The website also, accidentalcareers.co.uk. And we'll see you again next week.